are listening to BC Museum Portraits, and I'm project manager Spencer Stewart. In this episode, we'll be speaking with the president of the Comox Archives and Museum Society, Pam Mountain, Barbara Price, administrative assistant and exhibition designer, as well as Marcia Turner, administrator and archivist at the Comox Archives and Museum. Pam, Barbara, Marcia, thank you very much for joining me today to speak about the history of the Comox Archives and Museum. Maybe start with all three of you. How did you get involved with the with the Archives and Museum, but also just generally the history of the area? Both Marcia and I were on Comox Council, so that's where we developed our early love. We started in 1990 and got the Heritage Portfolio and went, wow, this is an incredible history that we have here. And so we got involved with celebrating Heritage Week and a Heritage Committee. And the mandate and wish was always that we'd have a museum. We were very fortunate that later councillor, mm -hmm. Shirley McLaughlin, uh, who was a powerhouse, <laughs> and she was married to actually one of our local old families. So she came with her own history. And uh, she <laughs> bullied persuaded, got the space downstairs, and she was the one who created the name, I understand, Comox Archives and Museum. And, and then we've grown from there. We have all served on the committee, and I've been chair, Pam's been chair forever. You get into these jobs and it's a forever job. And we've both been the town's representative on the museum board too, years ago. We're really f lucky that we have such fun, it's such a mm. wonderful work environment, and we just get excited every day. Somebody will bring something. Sometimes with artifacts, people have brought them in, and we have very limited space, including storage space, so the only thing for us to do is to bring them out and incorporate and be as creative as we can. So what was the nature of the collection in the beginning? The town hall has this great big vault and, and after I was on council, I was allowed to just walk in the back and go in the vault to get stuff. And they kept the collection because they had a local uh, character, a local well, a BC renowned person, Hamilton MacLang, who lived here in, starting in the 20s until he died at 99. And he left his land, and uh, which is MacLang Park now, and all his household possessions and papers and we have a manuscript from him. So the town became the repository of things that couldn't be passed on to somebody else. And so they were quite happy to see the vault having a bit more room in it. Interesting. Yes, yes, that's right. And people were bringing in things too, photos, etc., for the town. And when the vault became a little too full, they realized they'd have to take another step, create, give us space somewhere else in the town building. What would you say uh, are some strengths of the collection? Well, I think our 102nd Battalion uh, yes, collection exactly. is That's very true. important. The fact that the BC Battalion Warden Warriors trained at Goose Bit and was centred in the town and actually sailed out of the town when they went to the First World War. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned that there was this vault from which you made use of materials to build up the, the, the exhibition space. Do you continue to uh, collect materials from the community? It comes to us, mm. quite frankly. We don't have to 
do an awful lot of solicitive. Yes. We had a call uh, from some ladies in Duncan who, who, who wanted to know if we wanted some old logging photos pertaining to the history of Comox and Comox Logging and Railway Company. So up from Duncan they came and, and brought us these magnificent photos which we've got on display. And we've also had large collections come in recently, hundreds of items. Some of them had been stored and got a little moldy as Barbara was saying, but prominent people who have a long history in Comox have, are beginning to bring in, everybody's downsizing. Right. And COVID made a lot of people move too. So that actually brought in a somewhat of a flood hmm. of donations and we certainly didn't have to go looking. Mm -hmm. What are some items that have come in recently that have really excited you? We have had that lovely collection that you've been receiving from uh, John Marinus's. Oh estate. yes, yes, of course, a former councillor. Yes, I've just gotten that in, as a matter of fact, in the last couple of days. So we're excited to that. We're going to have some of his things on display. He was also given the freedom of the town. Some of his okay. things on display during Remembrance Day because uh, he was originally from Holland and survived, amazingly, a bombing mm. uh, that took place there when he was eight years old. We've incorporated some of those things. We were lucky enough over the last couple of years to have gotten some beautiful windows, mm -hmm. a church window, uh, which is one of our oldest and largest artifacts that, that has been incorporated into our displays, and, and pieces of a heritage house that uh, recently came down. It didn't have designation, but it was recommended at one time mm -hmm. to be considered for a heritage registry. So yes. being a small museum gives us, and also a very supportive board, gives us a lot of flexibility. Put on a Remembrance Day celebration, it might be just for two or three weeks. Our technique is to incorporate as much <laughs> as we can, uh, which we've become very creative at. But people love it. People love to come in and you can poke around and you can find, there's something that interests everyone. And we have this uh, partnership with a woman in Cumberland who has an amazing collection of heritage clothing and artifacts that go with it. And so we have clothing, we, we have dream dresses at the moment, have mm. a bit of glamour. And so we change those two or three times a year. Sometimes it's bathing suits. And what clothes do, clothes speak to the time mm -hmm. that pe what people wore reflected the society's values. And she also has pieces that were locally worn and has the stories that go mm -hmm. with them. Some people are seamstresses and they like right. to yeah. see yes. how the clothes are made. And they reflect a time too, and material was much more precious. We the throwaway age we have now it wasn't is is a thing of the present. In the past, people would pick take apart a dress and re put it together in a different form because material resources, even the thread, sometimes was kept. Eleanor Dunsmere had a house in Comox in this little community, which was little more than a hamlet. We've had some amazing people, and she was one of them. She was uh, openly gay in the 20s, which was very courageous. So she lived a lot in Europe, and she had the Rothschilds as friends and film stars from the uh, 20s from California, and they would come to Comox to visit her. And this is a window that was donated by Marcia because we did try to save the house. We did. And that's really what... Elders into politics and on the demolition path. sale, but yes, yeah. that drew wow. us into lo local politics. And then, because we were doing our own little Eleanor exhibit, they, Craig Derrick Castle brought the traveling exhibit to us, our first ever, which is exciting for us because it's always at first, and perhaps who knows, there could be others then. Hmm. What are some blind spots in the history of Comox that you're actively keeping an eye out for to hmm. fill out that story and tell it to the community? 
Well, I think we would like to be more have more First Nations contact mm -hmm. on permanent display. We have had wonderful um, artifacts from the Comox First Nation on display a few years ago when we featured significant women of Comox. So we featured the First Nations prominent women and families, but uh, more so uh, we'd like more on a permanent basis of mm -hmm. some kind. Mm -hmm. How do you go about building your exhibitions? First of all, we have some permanent features. We have these beautiful dioramas and this pillar composition that one of our previous curators mm -hmm. put into place. And, and they're all movable. So what we got into, breaking up the space into areas that had a feeling of a room. And then we got the wonderful murals. There's one at the back of our office mm -hmm. space and one as you come in, which became a sort of feature that we built displays around. Mm -hmm. At the moment we're celebrating our local Anglican church, St Peter's 130th celebrations. Mm -hmm. So we've incorporated artifacts from them which are on loan. Mm -hmm. So we do look for loan items. What are some stories that you want to uh, put together into an exhibition? One of our board members has done a tremendous amount of re research on how land ownership has changed. Mm -hmm under a title he calls uh, Notable Buildings. This little hamlet village had these amazing creations that one of the early works of Arthur Erickson, mm -hmm. and this house actually still exists, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. So we have connected with the foundation, and uh, that's why we have so many uh, wonderful photos. So we would like to develop this more, and we made contacts too with people who were connected with Arthur Erickson in the past. Mm -hmm. We're hoping to have a display of how the house was restored after it had been uh, uh, transformed with stucco at one point in its history. <laughs> and it was a whole concept, too, that it would bring people together like a think tank. And uh, prominent characters like Melody Buchanan, a woman that we also celebrate in the museum, mm. um, she was also connected with this house and this... It was a lot of ideology and, and hope for the environment that, uh, because we've had so many interesting people who found their way here, including who we call the bird men of Comox, mm -hmm. came because the estuary is a major estuary, second only to the Fraser estuary, mm -hmm. and the bird life was, in those days, in the 20s, was incredible. Some hopes and aspirations for the uh, Comox archives and museum, and, and what are maybe some of the uh, the obstacles or challenges in, in achieving those goals? More Bigger space. space. Yes. Yeah. Not only for storage, but for display. There are beautiful uh, objects we have. The town owns a beautiful 1909 uh, McLaughlin Buick, but we cannot even have it on display in here. Yeah. And so it's sitting in the old fire hall. So that would be our number one, more space. But the problem is we really can't afford to rent it. We're a non-profit society. Our cash budget is actually under $60,000 a year, but the rest, all from donations and grants, etc., but the rest the town does contribute and they give us this space for free, but we at the moment we share the front part with the Pearl Ellis Gallery. The town doesn't own very many buildings, so it would be a challenge to operate the way we do now if we had to pay rent. What were so. the various iterations of the archives? Walk me through some of the other places it's been over the years. It was the, the old safe in the town hall, right. basically, was it, and until we went downstairs. Okay. And so it's it, just, it's just one of those tiny little rooms that, you know, off the downstairs parking lot mm. is where we were. Mm. And people did have trouble finding us. Mm. Mm. 
Have there been researchers that have uh, made use of your holdings in their own investigations? Oh, about yes, the there have. The motorcycle. The mo- yeah, on Max Lang's motorcycle journeys. And they came here, first of all, to familiarize themselves with the photos, etc., in the collection. We've had people coming want to research for Melda's mm-hmm. a book on Melda Buchanan. So, yes, we have had those kinds of... And the 102nd Battalion. And the 102nd Battalion. We also have board members that contribute research, follow up on, on things that the public asks for, and we, we have a collection of research done, done uh, that we've developed ourselves. Mm. Was that kind of a mandate of the Archives and Museum at the beginning, this discussion of, of trying to conserve architectural details of some of these historic homes, or is this something that's emerged in, in recent years? I think a bit of both, because there was mm-hmm. that, that inventory done in the 80s, before mm-hmm. either one of us was on the council, where they were they had a survey done by a local architect, and he was trying to determine houses that might have historical significance mm-hmm. and the features, and describing them, and of course the McGuinn house was one of them, so unfortunately nothing was ever acted upon, and historical de- designation was never given. There are houses that are 100 years old that are being torn down for redevelopment quite regularly around here. So preserving something um, of those places is important, I think. And Marcia is really good too and people, because we get a lot of inquiries about do you have any photographs on this and that, and Marcia gets in there and she pulls out photos and she sends a whole collection. We we always stipulate that you cannot reproduce them. Yeah. You can use them for your own personal use, but right. uh, you have to talk to us if you want to use them for more. Mm-hmm. But it's wonderful to be able to do that, to, to share the museum in whatever way we can with the wider population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And community gives back to us with what research, or not even family history that they've done, yeah. by giving it to us and telling the family story. So we sort of uh, help each other out with accumulating this material because Comox was not incorporated until 1946, so we're about, I would say we're a pretty new town. Pam has been a most um, invaluable resource because she's a genealogist. Okay. And she has managed to find the history of several of the British sailors that were mm-hmm. uh, buried at the church at St. Peter's, and one of their, some of their relatives never knew how they died. There was one that, when I, I tried to contact the descendants and of course they were all young so, uh, sailors didn't have any core families they weren't married so I managed to find maybe uncle or a nephew of, of his uncle and I only found one descendant and then I found found out uh, later that he was he was in my family tree way back in early 1800s in England <laughs> so it made it more interesting but we did put up one of our uh, board members arranged so we could get a plaque put up at the church and we, we had that made and the town installed it in the churchyard. So they were unmarked graves and so yes. Iron crosses hmm. which it was very interesting. Hmm. Somebody brought in, this was in about 2010, someone brought in a diary that was what well, wasn't really a diary, World War One, mm-hmm. hmm. and so of course somebody said why would you want that, it's not Comox. But it was a Red Cross book that was presented to a, one of the volunteers, who was a volunteer in a roundabout way, but he worked for the, as a volunteer for the Red Cross, a gentleman who was too old to enter World War I as a, a soldier. 
and when he as he left people that were there signed the book and so I wanted to find out why and I wanted to find out where they were in France so we did research on it and then when I finished all the research on it there wasn't that connection with Comox except that the person who donated the book through the Red Cross had emigrated here in the 50s and she had worked for this gentleman who received this book went in the, in the 50s after his death. And this gentleman was a very prominent uh, person, well-known professor in London. Hmm. So then, of course, when you're a genealogist, you go every direction. Yeah. We've donated it back, back to the Red Cross archives in London. Hmm. So uh. we, we do spread out in the community with what our research is. If it doesn't Thank you all for, for taking the time to sit down and speak with me today and, and wish you all the best with, with the future in developing the archives and museum. Well, Thank we you. appreciate your interest. Mm -hmm. That means a lot to us. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. This has been another BC Museum Portrait. BC Museum Portraits is done in partnership with the BC Museum Association. To hear more portraits, and view the accompanying images made by project photographer Tayu Hayward, please go to museum.bc.ca. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time.